And it says that we are live. And we are live. Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Thursday, where we have incredibly exciting news about a patent that was recently granted to Dan Larimer and the folks over at Block One that talks about digital identity. Now, of course, this week I'm back from Colorado, back from my hiking trip. It's good to be back in the EOS community. I'm joined today by my co-host, Zach Gall, and I have Mark Woods from the Everything EOS Proxy here as well, who's done a deep dive on this patent. But before we dive into it, I do need to remind everybody out there watching and listening that anything we say should not be treated as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. We're just a couple guys talking about open source software that we love. And uh, if you listen to us, you will likely get wrecked. So do your own research before you make any financial decisions. But Zach, this is a, a pretty cool patent. It talks a lot about unique identity. I guess, do you want to talk about where you found this and then we can dive into it? I mean, just like um, the, the trademarks, like a week or two ago, whenever I found the voice trademarks that didn't get, a, 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 they didn't even get applied for publicly until after B1 June, probably because they didn't want to spoil it. And then, uh, so I, ever since we found the first trademarks, there's a, there's a site that I just check every once in a while. Same with patents, because we know uh, Dan Larimer has that one uh, blockchain voting patent from Follow My Vote. So I, I just was randomly searching block one, Dan Larimer, uh, uh, on the patents because huh. it's, it, this is like how you like run a business. Uh, Dan, Dan's spoken publicly before about his thoughts on patents. He's, he's mentioned publicly before that patents are pr to protect you from other companies, not necessarily to enforce and kind of rain down on everyone else. So I, I hope that, that this is that type of patent where they're just protecting themselves from other people uh, trying to steal their ideas. Uh, but it, it's very interesting because as anyone who's been watching the show knows, we've been following uh, this social digital identity solution for a really long time. Dan's talked about it at length in the past, but this is the deepest uh, we've ever been able to look in, into the block one walls of what they've been working on. Um, and we're, we're gonna break it down a little bit today. You wanna kick it off, Mark? I'll, I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up on the screen so people uh, can see what it looks like. So this is the the Google Patents page up on your screen. Uh, you can see it's called the Systems and Methods for Creating a Digital Identity. Inventor Dan Larimer, Richard B. Whitner, Thomas C. Hallgren, and Todd B. Fleming. And the current assignee, as it says up here, is Block One. That means Block One owns the patent, even though the other uh, names are authors. Uh, but if you look at the dates here. Um, they, they filed the patent back in December 11th, 2018. And at that time, none of this was public because I've definitely searched for patents before, like since then. I searched them before B1 June. I'm 100% of that. Um, so I don't know when this actually showed up on, online on Google, but it, it was actually granted on, on June 18th. So I'm thinking that's whenever it showed up in, in Google patents. Like it just skipped pending. So it got approved extremely fast from... Uh, December until uh, uh, June 18th, uh, and it, so its status is granted. So it's not patent pending; it's patent granted, and we're we're going to get into their technology and, and what makes it unique here. So probably a good reason for the block one is, or people have been speaking about how block one has hired a whole bunch of the lawyers. Well, that's probably why they have a bunch of the lawyers to be able to streamline these kind of things pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, so why don't, why don't we uh, read what it is? I, on the notes on you guys' screens, I don't uh, want to be the one reading everything. Why don't we go ahead, Zach. the first description? Yeah, I can, yep. I can read uh, the first patent if you'd like. Yeah. 
So it says, and Dan also tweeted us, he tweeted at everything ESIO basically saying he apologizes for the legalese. Uh, he said a lot of lawyers sort of rewrote the technical aspects, but we will do our best once we read through some of this to really break it down in a very simple way so that anybody can understand it. But uh, he, here's the patent here. I'll start with the first paragraph. Uh, it says, according to an aspect of the present disclosure, a secure and verifiable digital identity may be created by a user who owns a device such as a smartphone. The user takes a picture of themselves, which establishes a visual identity of the user. Then to further build on that visual identity, which is the photo, the user can take a picture of themselves with someone else at the same time using their device. This establishes the visual identities of two people with those two photos. Uh, these two people both have a unique, or excuse me, uh, and further confirms the visual identity of the user. For example, these two people both have a unique device, that cell phone, and a key that cannot be copied. Both devices take the photograph at the same time and place, and both devices certify that the face recognition of the two people in the photograph is the same person as before. So you start out, you take a photo of yourself, then you take a photo of yourself with someone else, they use their phone to take a photo as well, and it continues on. Additional verifications can be built into the device, such as biometric verifications, like a fingerprint, to verify that the people are the same. As the user takes more photographs of themselves, either alone or with other people, their digital identity associated with their device becomes more established and secure. This is because the relationships a person has in their lives is what makes them unique. A person can only be in one place at one time and the device, that cell phone, with the private key can also only be in one place at one time. As a result, the location of the device and any other devices or users it is associated with becomes a unique and difficult to forge identity. So that essentially is, is what we're dealing with here. It's a, it seems to be a photo-based system of generating a unique identity and proving that someone is that unique uh, individual. So I, I don't... I don't want to be running around looking for quotes here, but but the way it's described is uh, they, they mention a, a certified device and what is a certified device. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to uh, pull a little bit of text up on the screen, but they describe what a certified device is. And in only one place in the entire patent is the word iPhone mentioned, because whenever I saw it mentioning like smartphones, that's cool. I was trying to decide, are, are they building their own hardware? And I don't think that's the case. I think uh, what happens is any phone with, with a, a secure enclave, like an iPhone, or an equivalent uh, mechanism on an Android, has a, essentially uh, an immutable uh, operating system inside it, and it could hold a private key, a private public key pair, that is unique to that device. And then whenever you're first building up uh, this web of trust, you'd have to associate your identity uh, with that device by registering with it, taking your first picture. And then uh, the more people you take pictures with, uh, th it'll ask you and them to, to verify if this is really you or not. Um, and, and it just kind of builds this web of trust o over time. And some, somehow through the, the technology that they have planned, uh, they run the, the, the microphone uh, through the uh, secure enclave so it could be stamped and certified. But that doesn't necessarily mean everything's public. Um, same with your GPS location. We, we've seen them make investments uh, from EOSVC in a company called Platin. So I don't know if they have anything to do with this, but everything is timestamped and certified uh, because it, it's somehow passing through, everything passes through with this key pair in, in the uh, secure enclave.
Um, Absolutely. And one one thing I want to point out uh, before Mark dives into a bunch of the stuff that he's highlighted, he's done a huge deep dive into this. So a huge shout out to Mark. Smash the likes for Mark uh, for highlighting this. Uh, Smash the likes for Zach for finding this. Uh, But all of this really boils down to, is it hard to fake? Is it hard to forge this unique identity? And there's a quick paragraph here that says, in order to forge fake identities under the disclosed system, a bad actor would need to purchase multiple devices. So you got to buy a bunch of smartphones. The bad actor would then need to make connections with many other devices. The other devices would also need to be integrated into a social web of real people that they can take the photos with. And as a result, it would be very difficult and expensive for bad actors to forge a fake identity. So it seems to be very difficult to forge, which is obviously one of the key components to having a unique identity like this. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the key questions that if I ever did have an opportunity to ask to Mr. Bill Larimer himself, is you think about those as cell phone farms that are out there, is obviously what they're speaking to there is what they're trying to mitigate. But I'm curious how they specifically else in more detail, it's going to handle things like that because if you have a large enough farm, potentially you could create that the web of trust. I will say, so I'm curious to see how uh, he would the answer it that seems question. Like they, it seems like they may be doing it using real people and sort of yep. force me to take photos with others. So, yes. in addition to having you know a thousand devices in one of those farms that we've seen in in China, usually that are you know clicking away on ads or whatever it may be, they would also need to find say a thousand real people to take photos with. Mm-hmm. So, I think that sort of may be the yep. layer that prevents that. So, yep. I, I have a specific example up on the screen, and if you could imagine it, so we know voice is going to be this social network, and almost everyone has had Facebook at some point, or maybe use Google Photos. And imagine if all of this was automated, where basically, if we all had the tool installed or whatever this is, or if it was more mainstream, I I take a selfie of me and Rob. Uh, Both of our phones, nowhere in the same place. And whenever you do that with Facebook or with Google Photos, it it alerts you. It pops something up and it says, do you want to share this photo with Rob? Yes or no? And if you'd click yes, imagine that being like the same as a digital signature. So I'm signing yes, saying I was with Rob. And then Rob gets an alert on his phone saying, hey, Zach just shared this picture with you. Do you certify that it's you? Yes. And then by doing that, we're, we're building up this proof of work over time. So then every to, 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 to steal someone's identity, you essentially have to steal every interaction that they've ever had with another person that, that was verified on both ends. Absolutely. And what's interesting also is that it seems like other aspects of the photograph are actually uploaded to the blockchain to sort of be used as this verifiable layer. So it goes on to say the photographs, including sensor data that was collected at the time the photograph was taken, such as a short video containing audio and other information, is uploaded to a blockchain. The blockchain timestamps the photograph and logs all relationships the user has with other people through the photograph. In this way, the blockchain allows everyone in the world to verify the uniqueness of individuals and to audit the relationships to identify clusters and other information that would clearly stand out as fraudulent. For example, when a user identifies suspicious activity, they can access the photographs, look at the people involved, and hold those people accountable for any fraud. Thus, the entire world can verify the user identities without having to rely on a single centralized issuer. So pretty cool. And uh, it seems like they have a lot of their bases covered here, at least in terms of the way the patent is written. So So, there's so much to it. I want Mark to explain this proof of work aspect because there's this... I, I didn't mention it before that, but after you have so much proof of work, you become a trustworthy source. So like once yeah. you've taken so many pictures and entered so much data, it's basically the system just 
takes you up to a next level and you're more trustworthy. So whenever you verify things, it's, it's worth more. But so then just, there's this proof of work component. Sorry for cutting yeah, you up. Uh, no, no. So you're fine. So just real quick, Zach, could we pull up uh, the pictures in the PDF pat and go to the figure two? And we can kind of just walk through it quickly. I think it'll help people understand what uh, you all were just perfectly eloquent. Sure speaking can. of. All right. So where are we, where are we going? The figure two. So it's the pictures at the very beginning. So it'll be the one with the little demand on it. Yep. So just kind of at a high level, obviously, uh, 202 there, the little demand is a person. The next box to the right is a this certified device. So it could be an Ooh. iPhone or whatever kind of device. Um, so within there, you have the two boxes. One of them is your private key, which is the 210 there. And 212 is an application. So the question I have is, is that voice or is that this, some other application that B1 is building potentially to be the verifier that would uh, be that application on your phone and voice would just leverage the fact that you have the unique ID through this other app. And I think we've always kind of thought that maybe B1 was going down the route of being one of the potential global the KYC, the whatever you want to call it, kind of identifiers. Um, and then t to the right, that's how they're, uh, they're showing your they certified the picture in this case. And then all the way to the right is that the picture then uh, being posted onto the blockchain. Um, so if you just go down to the next picture there, Zach, just, just to kind of walk through it. Um, the box there at the bottom, 320, um, is basically the uh, secure enclave on a phone. And that the secure enclave has both a the microprocessor and your kind of the actual the secure chip. So that's where um, what you were talking about before, that processor could run a the secured application or a the secured operating system directly on that the device that could not be hacked or anything else. And then basically up top, um, you have 302 there, which is your main the phone the processor with your camera, your mic, and your GPS all kind of feeding into it. So that's kind of how they're showing how that piece would uh, it work as well. Um, so I don't know if there's any kind of questions or comments about that piece. I, I think the most interesting thing that I've seen, besides just the patent itself, is will voice be the app, or is voice just one of the many apps that B1 right. will build? Honestly, I think it's it's probably one of many, and I believe this was back in either a conversation we had with Dan, or it may have actually been um, on the podcast that we had with Dan and Brendan back at B1 June the day after. Um, and they were saying that right now with current you know centralized KYC solutions, it costs upwards of a couple dollars per user just to verify that somebody is a unique individual. So with something like this, potentially they could not only you know use this for their own products and services like voice, but they could also become like you're saying that ID provider and provide the service to so many other businesses at a reduced cost where they don't have to pay you know three, four, five dollars uh, per user just to verify them. Yeah, and the key thing to that point is it's been mentioned in a few different places uh, throughout the patent where basically this this system doesn't have to rely on you having a driver's license or anything else. That can be one piece that it feeds into it, but it doesn't rely on that. 
Absolutely. And that seems to be something um, relative to Dan's comments where he said, you know, he has, and these are comments in Telegram that we can pull up, where he said things along the lines that, you know, regulators have basically uh, made his current solution, you know, it's not up to par with what the regulators want. And I think regulators generally want you to verify with something like a driver's license or another form um, of government ID. But what's interesting um, is Dan has some other mention, uh, some other messages here. Uh, you know, people have asked, uh, Dana said, we have an amazing ID solution I'm excited about, but it will take time. In the meantime, we have traditional KYC approaches, which can provide reasonable, good ID. And then somebody went on to ask, why introduce a standard that isn't interoperable with existing standards already being developed? And he says, it's not incompatible. So what seems like might happen is that they start voice out with that government issued KYC, you know, you scan your driver's what, license. What date, or, what date are you looking at? On, on I'm the, at May 17th. That's the okay. second screenshot. All right. Yeah, I was probably making people dizzy. Okay, I'm good. I know. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Um, but it, it seems like they'll start out with that sort of government-issued KYC. You scan your driver's license, or uh, there was even that NFC idea of like tapping the NFC chip in your, your government-issued passport to verify yourself. And then in the future, over time, or maybe in jurisdictions where you know the U.S. doesn't have any power, so outside of the U.S., um, maybe then they can allow people... Uh, you know, in countries that may not have that 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 government issued ID to verify it this way. So it'll be interesting to kind of see the hybrid of those two models um, come together with voice and these other products. So on that point, Zach, can you pull up uh, the picture number four? Because that actually specifically talks to uh, uh, this piece on, on the on the patent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So just okay. the next one down. That one right there. Yep. So so basically down bottom there, uh, the the uh, 402 and 404 are basically two users. So say the Rob and Zach, both are taking a picture at the exact same time. So that's the, the picture there in the middle. But the key piece to call out is the box, the 406 is specifically called out as a third party the verifier. So could that be B1KYC? Could that be whatever other KYC this system's that are out there um so yeah that's exactly what they were calling out right there and then the 412 is basically just the blockchain as that um transaction gets processed so you can maybe have more the uh, validity by having those two people plus the third party all sign off on the one transaction i, I think you even had a, had a quote about this so let me let me scroll through here um it looks like June 1st, I think, where he talks about many identity solutions. Um, June, which one? Fourth? Uh, I believe it's June 1st, I'm okay. seeing. At the bottom. So somebody said, uh, am I sending my government ID to block one? And uh, Dan said, we will have many identity solutions. So that sort of goes back to, you know, in some jurisdictions, it could be government issued KYC. And in others, it could be this interesting uh, novel approach with taking photos and using sensor data and and so much more. Um, but then on June 2nd as well, somebody said, why not just use biometrics and bypass KYC altogether? And this really gets to the root of the issue, which is with the regulators. And Dan said, if it wasn't for regulators, I would use my own system for identity instead that doesn't rely on government identity, nor is it easy to steal. So, so speaking of that, Zach, can you pull up the PDF again? And we're gonna go into the text section, um, column number 10. Which page? Uh, it's the column 10. So I, oh, yeah, it's okay. so, when you see okay. column 10. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And it's kind of blurry on my screen, but if you go to the bottom, um, there's a piece there in the last, right before the last paragraph at the very bottom, Which it line? starts to, 
talk it's like line 50 the 758 where it starts the for example okay it says the for example two individuals with the suitable devices use the application on one of their devices to take a joint picture and that that um joint picture um or that that um the links back to that the picture i they showed you before so that's where my question about is this just your normal camera app or is this is some other app on the phone that automatically captures gps this sound all these other things happening in the environment around you um plus um does all the certification through the secure enclave that's what i think that this is is, is it's a specific application that's going to do all that at once so I went. I went back because now that now that I like we've no one knew what uh, this non KYC identity solution was all about. We had some ideas, but after like the the cat was out of the bag with with, with the patent, I went back and I was looking at some older older stuff that Dan has mentioned before. And on the screen, this is an interesting part: is voice a browser only app to start? Or, or will will there be iPhone and more apps? And he said apps are coming, but browser first. And that's because of the the web auth n stuff. So that's all tied into this too. Is with the web auth n uh, be, being like the WC three, like everyone is on board with using it. That your secure enclave could basically communicate with a browser based application. Uh, so so that's basically going to allow your secure enclave to to sign transactions within your browser. And we've seen that. Uh, EOS Laomao deployed the EOS Authenticator app, and you could use it on blocks on on uh, the Jungle Testnet, if you want to see what that's like. But uh, I, I I forget what else. Uh, oh, the YubiKey tie-in too. So uh, that's the other thing is that's another hardware device. So I don't know if it's just phones, or or if it's going to be the hardware device. But I I, I think uh, Mark's on to something with them wanting to be one of several uh, identity providers and I, I think that's where they're positioning yeah. themselves with this the really interesting thing i didn't call is in that same paragraph to where i was it continues to go on the joint picture could capture several f frames in this sequence over a short period of time and also captures sound and other signals in the proximity being the wi-fi the radio waves and geolocation of the people in the picture so that to me, that sounds like it's not your normal camera app. Wow, and that seems very similar to Platin, which is that proof of location protocol that we saw at yep. the uh, San Francisco Hackathon that I believe EOSVC invested in in some capacity. So that makes sense. I mean, that's part of that process as you go around and you sort of farm all of these different signals, whether it's Bluetooth or Wi-Fi or something else. So uh, it's interesting. Maybe they'll be utilizing that or something similar for this process as well. And uh, so I just put up on the screen, then I'll get it off. But he, he's. Uh, what do you guys think of this? So someone said, uh, so they're, they're saying something about voice in the reward system, and Dan made a suggestion that one company can do identity and another decentralized community can deploy a token. Exactly. B1 being the identity, and their voice is going to be, I mean, as they've already said, pushed onto the main net, which they don't control. So. so yeah, think of it like this. So if all block one does is this unique identity and then the code's released open source for voice or whatever, 
anyone could deploy that token. It doesn't have to be block one. Like you could still like piggyback on top of the unique identity. But it, it did look like they had a front end built uh, at B1 June. So like we're still I'm still expecting a front end application. But uh, I don't I don't know much about voice. This doesn't really uh, tie in to, to voice complete. It's just strictly ID. And I think the voice ID there's there's a lot to it. Look, look, looks like we're uh, at a loss for words, so we, we should probably <laughs> uh, start wrapping up. This is a lot. This is a lot to digest, guys. Like I found this two days ago. I spent the last two days, Mark, I, and Rob, just trying to try to understand this at a high level so that we could drop the news on you guys today. Oh. Uh, I highly recommend you check the links in the description and dig into it yourself. There's so much that we didn't cover. Uh, I, I think we totally missed the proof of work aspect of how they. One more thing, Zach. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. One more thing. Yeah, just. They're real quick. If I can just find it, they're real quick. Yeah. Um, there's the, the sorry, it's a lot of pages, but, but I would say read it more than one time because I think I went through it two or three times. And when I started to, to, to go back through, you could kind of connect things. But Zach, if you go to um, the paragraph or the column six in a PDF, so it's interesting. Um, they basically talk about how this blockchain where they would store the identity on could be hashed. Um, and the first part of it is they talk about basically the SHA algorithms. Obviously, that's the Bitcoin, the SHA-256. Um, but if you see a column six line about 26, in operation, the blockchain could reward users who create blocks. The rewards may include a monetary fee and other incentives that may be spent either within or the outside of the blockchain system. So when they say the blockchain this system, it's where all the identity will be going. And then it goes on to say, in order to maintain the fairness of reward distribution and to ensure the integrity of the blockchain, users must compete with each other to create a new block which sounds very much like how the Bitcoin operates. And, and the fact that they specifically call out the Asha algorithms, which is quite interesting to me, um, is could that potentially be a way that that hardware in the future is reused to a secure a, a different network? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so I, I think we should, we should close this out with a reminder that just because uh, they, they got their patent approved doesn't mean all of this stuff is ready. It doesn't mean the solution is going to get deployed tomorrow. But we can kind of have an idea of, of the direction they're going at, on a much deeper level than we ever could before uh, sharing this with you today. So, so this, this doesn't mean anything's happening in the short term, but we have a better idea of, of the multi-year roadmap that, that we have in front of us. Uh, so I just want to throw that out there. Absolutely. Hey, Robin, Zach, you, you, you have to extend the invite to the Brendan or... Dan, you just—they got to do it. I, I, we're we're gonna be at the block the Blocksburg summit, so may, maybe maybe we'll we'll catch him there. That'd be uh, great. We'll, we'll be there, come hell or high water. Uh, it sounds like a, a great event in Blacksburg, Virginia, November tenth through the twelfth. Shout out Virginia Tech. <laughs> we'll be giving you more information on that soon, so just uh, to be on the lookout.
Perfect. Right? And, and before um, we uh, wrap, I did just kind of want to, in summary, sort of explain that patent. So if you joined us halfway or maybe you just joined us now, I highly recommend you start from the beginning. But essentially, this is a novel patent from Dan Larimer and the folks over at Block One that uses photos of yourself that you're taking alone and with other people, along with the sensor data from your phone, like GPS or other sort of Bluetooth and Wi-Fi signals that are in the area. So it's obviously much more complex than that, but that is sort of the TLDR. So again, highly recommend you watch from the beginning once the stream is over, if uh, you caught us halfway through. But I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, as a reminder, uh, this is not the Everything EOS Weekly Update podcast. Uh, Rob and I will be back uh, in 23 hours from now. So at 5 oh, p.m. Yeah. Eastern on Friday, we'll be back with the rest of the happenings around EOS. We'll, we'll analyze uh, every, everyone else's conversations around this. We'll discuss it again. But we, we wanted to dedicate uh, at least a half hour to uh, dropping this news on you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Every time I uncover something, I want to share it with you guys immediately. Sorry it took me two days. I had to uh, do a little bit of homework. But uh, we'll, we'll see you guys again tomorrow. Uh, once again, Mark, this is like your third time. You're going gonna to get it right this time? <laughs> All right, I'm Mark Woods. And I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch. And this, this is, is everything EOS. Go EOS! Leave a Go EOS in the chat. Smash a thumbs up. We'll see you tomorrow. See you guys tomorrow.